This is Grow Into You, Soul Chats for Teens. I'm Melissa Manning, and I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome to episode one, everyone. This episode I got to record with Melissa Moffat, and it's a very special episode to me. Melissa is filled with genuine, heartfelt inspiration and wisdom. It was wonderful to be able to have such an open and vulnerable conversation with her. We touched upon a lot of different topics in this episode. So we touched upon a little bit depression, relationship with our parents, how we may move from a place of anger to acceptance uh, in our love and how we all have that innate sense of love within our beings. We talked about so much goodness. There's really just so much packed into this episode and I hope you receive a benefit from listening to this. So please enjoy. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you so much for joining me. For those of you that don't know Melissa, she's a huge inspiration to me on the daily. I've been following her journey on Instagram for at least the past two years now. Now she's also one of my business coaches, helping me to step into my passion. Uh, A little bit more about Melissa. She is a mindfulness and yoga teacher, a writer, a dancer, an environmentalist, and an animal lover. She supports people in their discovery of their own wholeness, self-love, so they too can follow their dreams and share the love in supporting others. She leads retreats all over the world, has meditation guides, and multiple online courses helping people find their worthiness and freedom. She is extremely empowering, and I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and to talk with everyone. Yay. Okay, so would you want to talk a little bit more about yourself and what you're doing now? Sure, yeah. So you you gave the good gist, um, but for the last few years, I took my experiences with going from doing something I really didn't love doing, like a career I didn't love, not feeling like I was worthy or capable or able in any way to do, to really follow my passions and follow my dreams to really like creating a career that I absolutely love that I feel like really fulfilled in. I love working with the people I do. I feel successful, you know, like financially supported, all of these things. And I wanted to create communities and create courses that would help people transition and deepen their paths into fulfillment and success from that really heart-led place where they really love what they're doing. And I think it's so needed because we all have these beautiful, unique gifts, right? We all have something in our heart that's calling us. And that's truly what the world needs, right? We, We need more people stepping into their creative, empowered, loving selves and bringing that to every aspect of their lives, their relationships, their careers, all areas, you know, how they treat their money, all of these things. And so that's what I wanted to do. And over time, I've made courses, I teach retreats, I do one-on-one, you're in the mastermind that I co-facilitate with Heather, Heather Lynn Barb. And, um, and I, yeah, I love this work. I'm so thankful to to be here doing it. 
And that is exactly why you are one of the biggest inspirations to me, because it is so transparent that you love what you do and your intention is coming from this heart-led place and getting everybody else to step into themselves even more fully to come from that place of love is, yeah, wow. We, like you said, we really do need more people doing that. It's so amazing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I just want to say, too, that it's like, you know, it's not always the easiest thing to do it brings up so much fear and so much like whoa am I ready for this and the transition too can be difficult so I just want to encourage everyone that it's you know if you feel like you're wanting to go down that path with your career know that you're not alone in being scared and being overwhelmed sometimes and being like how is this all going to work out that's totally totally normal it definitely is. And it's things that I'm moving through now. <laughs> and yeah. I think we will all continue to move from. We're one of the biggest, together. yeah. And one of the biggest things that I think about when we're talking about this is like coming from that place of love. I feel when I was a teenager that I didn't even know what a place of love truly meant. And when I would hear people say that, I'd be kind of be like, oh, that's kind of woo woo or I don't know. So could you kind of go back and explain? maybe to yourself as a teenager or to other teenagers or whoever is listening to this podcast, what you truly mean when you say like you're coming from this place of love? Yeah. So we all have this, this self within us, right? This deep knowing, wise, compassionate, clear, confident, love self, right? We're born that way. You know, we think of ourselves as children being very carefree, being very like innocent and sweet. And then as we grow up, we kind of develop these layers of crud <laughs> over top that tell us different things like that we need to behave in a certain way to fit in, or we need to speak in a certain way to belong or we have to hide our shame and our fear and our embarrassment and all of our vulnerable pieces. We, we have to be perfect, right? Especially as women, right? We have to look a certain way. We have to fit into these societal norms of how a woman should behave, how a woman should act. And over time we become, you know, I think of like Glennon Doyle in her book Untamed, we become tamed, right? We become, uh, maybe a bit quieter, maybe a bit more reserved, and we are led to believe that we have to grow up. We have to, you know, change ourselves. We have to be realistic, to be practical. And this is why people, you know, hit their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s even, and, and even up to, to further, you know, the number one regret of the dying is that I didn't do what I really felt called to do. I didn't truly live my life the way I wanted to. So how do we get back to that place of love, right? Or what is it? It is, it is who we truly are. So there is no really like getting back to it or like creating it. It's already there. And it comes out in the moments where we feel totally immersed, right? Like where we feel so present, so connected with someone. Like if, you know, sometimes we're in nature, we're like on a roller coaster, we're dancing or, you know, there's like a beautiful field of flowers or whatever, you know, it can come out in these little moments. But 
the goal is to bring it out more and more and more and more where we can make difficult decisions, right? With our relationships, with our, you know, our parents or our peers, where we can make our career decisions, where we can make decisions when it comes to money, when it comes to all sorts of things based on that place of that wise, loving, trusting, I am safe. I have something really amazing to share with the world. And that's not in a cocky way, right? That's another thing that's like women are, and people in general are told that, you know, you have to be very <laughs> reserved, but there's a difference between humility and suppressing yourself, right? You can be humble, but also be like, I, I'm enough as I am. And I have, I have beautiful things to share with the world. So the goal is to bring that out more and more and more and more so that we're creating our life from that place of love. And that creates a life that is a lot more joyful, a lot more fulfilled, a lot easier, like where you have energy to share with others, you know, where you can be, you can be the activist, you can be the person who speaks up for other people. You can do all of those things because there's so much love overflowing in your heart and you have so much to give. Yes, I love all of that so much. I'm so happy you brought up the book Untamed too. For anyone, Untamed by Glennon Doyle is ooh, such a must read. I love that book. And it's true though. I love that metaphor of that we get tamed as we grow up and we start kind of removing from that initial and that innate sense of love that we have. And for me, every, since you're talking about this, like when I think back to my teenage years, you know, it was there, but I didn't trust it or I didn't maybe know what the label or how to name it truly because at that point in my life I've been so focused on what my peers were thinking I was so focused on fitting in I was so focused on making sure that my parents were happy with me that I was meeting their expectations so then when I had this like little voice inside of me saying like maybe this is your calling or this is the love inside of you I didn't trust it fully I mm -hmm. and now it's taken now I'm 25 and now I can see it was always there but as a teenager I was like Whoa, 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 I don't know what this is. Like, I'm still trying to learn. I'm trying to like make everybody happy and I'm trying to fit in. Yeah. 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 I'm sure yeah. you can experience something similar too. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, I, when I was a teenager, I, there was, a, there were a mixture of things that led me to feel like I couldn't trust myself. Part of that is our outward ex experience. A lot of it is our outward experience. Okay, like all of it is our outward experience, right? So there are things that can come up like if, you know, many of us have gone through some sort of trauma. If you've gone through some sort of sexual trauma, you know, violence-based trauma, if you've lived in an area where people are, are have that like deep traumatic um, you know, like people who have like post-traumatic stress disorder or alcoholism, or they've had their own traumas throughout life, right? Where we close down and it's like, it's not safe. <laughs> it really like touches our sense of, of security and our sense of survival in the world. And we can learn that through having our own traumatic experiences or through adopting the true the trauma-based belief systems from other people. So there's no problem with this. There's no shame, right? But then sometimes we carry those around into situations where it's not, it's not needed. <laughs> it's, and it actually hurts us instead of helps us. So for me, I, you know, there, there was addiction in my family, alcoholism, 
um, some domestic violence. I, you know, I had some friends who were not the best um, through their own pain. They were not in the best situation to be in that, that space of love. So we were very like manipulative. We were angry, um, making fun of other people a lot. And really all of these were defense mechanisms to try to make myself feel better. Because the truth is that I wasn't like, it wasn't that I was just a mean girl or I was like an angsty teenager or whatever. It was that I was, I just was in so much pain. I was so disconnected from trusting myself, from loving myself through the experiences. And, and I thought I was all alone. Yeah. And I wasn't <laughs> at all. I can definitely relate. Did you, I mean, now that you're saying this, now you can see that you were so disconnected and you weren't in that place of love and that you had this anger, but did you know it then? Like, could you actually recognize it then? No, I had no idea. I didn't know yeah. what was it. I remember <laughs> I, I eventually went to therapy. I told my parents, like, you know, I had a couple of scary incidences where I, you know, had like, um, suicidal ideation, right? So I thought about it. I never, I never attempted, but that was enough for me. I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. So I told my parents, I think I actually told my brother and my brother told my parents and I started going to therapy. And I remember the therapist telling me, I think this is a memory I'll always carry with me, but I remember my mind just being absolutely blown by her saying, you know, your thoughts aren't actually reality. They're not necessarily true. And I was like, what? Huh? You mean me thinking in my head that I'm like, I'm stupid and I'm not enough and that I'm like ugly and that everyone else is out to get me and nobody likes me is not real. And from that point, I started like, it's a process of self-awareness, right? Like the, the more you become aware that we are not our emotions, we are not our thoughts, we are not our words, we are not the experiences we have, and being able to detach from those and connect back to who we truly are, right? That love. <laughs> but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long process. Okay. And, you know, I'm, I hope that where I am now, you know, I've come such a long way I'm 27 now. I kind of started this healing journey when I was about 16. And <clears throat> I never thought I could feel this good. But I hope in another 10 years that I'll, I'll feel even more free and even more connected and even more grounded. And I'll look back at where I am now and be like, wow, she didn't even know what was coming up. Exactly. And I believe in that for you so much. And it's such an amazing journey that you've been through and where you are now and sometimes those things have to happen to us where we are kind of at that low point and we might not even see it then but we kind of hit rock bottom and that rock bottom really can be such I don't always like to say this but like just a blessing in disguise it really can because when I've hit rock bottom I mean I couldn't even admit that I was at rock bottom my ego was so strong that I was like no this isn't rock bottom you're doing fine you're doing fine now that of course I'm not in that place I can look back and be like wow that was that was a rough period in my life <laughs> and now I can of course bring forgiveness and healing to it 
but I do just want to say that if anybody's in these like situations or in these feelings currently and maybe you can recognize it maybe you can know that there is healing to come from this and that there is forgiveness for yourself for having this and exactly what you said our thoughts are not who we are who we truly are is this love mm-hmm. so for you was that therapist kind of what sparked this journey for you to enter into yoga and meditation or had you already been kind of dabbling in it before I hadn't I hadn't at all um that maybe started it it wasn't really till I a few years later right so I, I went through therapy I was like kind of reading self-help books and when I was about 19 so I'd already gone to college I was like super stressed just trying to like validate myself based on like, you know, the good grades and like doing all of the extracurriculars and um, staying super busy, right? So busy. Yeah. And I was, I lived in this tiny town in um, like middle Tennessee at this point I was in college and I read online about meditation and I was like, I was like, mm, they said it'll make you feel better. Okay, I'll try. Like, I'll just try it out. And, you know, going on nine years later now of a daily meditation practice, that has been the most powerful thing in my life. Um, yeah, meditation, self-awareness practices in general are just incredibly powerful. So the therapy really started to unwind it, but it wasn't really until I started meditating that my led onto this journey really took off yeah yeah I can definitely relate to that meditation has been whew, definitely life-changing and that self-awareness piece is really key because I think when we're a teenager and everything you just hit on when you were in college you were you know being validated by the good grades by being how busy you were I think during that time I was really attaching myself to the same actually I was really attaching myself into like what college am I going to get into it has to be a good college what grades am I going to make my SAT score all this external stuff is how I was defining myself because I didn't know who I was and I didn't know to look internally I was really looking for that external okay I'm a I'm a cheerleader I'm a dancer I'm a girlfriend I'm all these other like labels that I was putting on myself but it wasn't until the meditation practice deepened for me that I really got to be like oh who I am is inside and I mean of course like what a big question who are you I mean I think we're all still learning this and it's okay for your definition to change as you go along well it should change because we're always changing changing. so that's that's the key right it's not just to like it's not just that it's okay to change it's that for us to get comfortable and excited about the change and to be able to detach from these identities right like if we're in a relationship we can't just be that person's girlfriend or whatever right like because then if that relationship ends who are we without this person right it's truly like connecting to the soul so that you know if you're like I'm a high school student high school's gonna end then who are you right It's being able to be a bit detached and be like, okay, all of this is coming and all of this is going. Life is coming. Life is going. People are coming. People are going. And I'm able to remain grounded and loving and happy, content through all of it and to process things because there's always going to be some mourning. There's going to be that pain of letting go. And that's totally fine. It is. It is. 
and accepting that it's totally fine is the way we continue and keep moving. Mm -hmm. So if it's okay with you, could we go back a little bit too and talk a little bit more about your therapy journey? We're, so I know therapy in high school is also very an interesting time to be going to therapy. So were you open to your friends or did you have people in school that you could talk to that you were going to therapy or any of this? I didn't tell anyone, no. I, um, I definitely felt like there were two sides of me. I felt like, and I feel like this is changing now. I taught, I, I taught dance all throughout college and grad school. So I kind of saw some of the changes in, in teenagers being more open and being even in like a small town in Tennessee being more okay with like expressing their sexuality, expressing, you know, their grief and their feelings and, and all of that. But at the time, I did not feel safe or comfortable expressing that just based on where I was, the friends I had, um, you know, I, I was like getting good grades. I was dancing, doing ballet like six days a week. So I felt like I was fragmented. So I was the girl who was like, you know, came from a broken home with, with, you know, my parents struggling so much. Nobody knew about that. Right. And then I was like the girl who's at school, like trying to fit in, trying to get good grades, all of those things. And then I was the girl at dance who was just like trying to get good parts, trying to like be friends with everybody. So I definitely felt, I felt a disconnection from my authenticity, right? Like not being able to, I would, I would morph myself to fit into my surroundings. Yeah, definitely. I think I would do the same. And I think that's okay, especially as teenagers, because we're testing out things. I think we're still learning and I feel like we have to kind of test out like, does this feel authentic to me? Does this feel good when I'm in this ground? But mm-hmm. then there is that gut reaction where you know, like anyone that's listening to this, like I truly believe you know when something is right for you and when something's not. It's just you have to test it over time to get more comfortable in trusting that gut voice that you have. And I think you have to get more comfortable with picking yourself. For me, it was really hard. Like if my friend wanted to go do this and I knew I didn't want to, I would go and do whatever my friend wanted to do, even if it ended up being detrimental to me in some way. And and then the next time I would continue to do that over and over again. And now, you know, again, now it's taking the point where I can say no and like actually learn what boundaries are and actually saying yes to myself. But during that time as a teenager, I do think you have to do a little bit of like trial and error and learn what feels good and what doesn't feel good to you. For sure. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And how was it with your parents? Were you able to talk about therapy with them or did you feel pretty isolated from your family as well? Well, around that time actually, my my mom had started getting sober. So my mom had been deep in alcoholism for a long time. And so when I was 16, she started her healing journey too. So I actually went with her to a bunch of AA meetings. I've been to so many AA meetings in my life. Um, and she just passed 11 years sober the other day, actually. Yay. Oh, that's so exciting. uh, Yeah. So I feel like, I feel like with her, I was able to kind of be a bit open but more of the struggle was not necessarily being open with others as much. It was more like me being open with myself through it. And I didn't, 
I didn't even know how to really like feel my feelings or much less express them, you know? Like I wasn't, I was learning how to process and to experience and to, to heal all on my own, much less know how to convey that to someone in a way that was, you know, tactical and was, was authentic and kind. And I probably still held so much. It took me a long time to release the anger I felt for them. Even, even into my college years under, you know, I would, we were like more on good terms more friendly, but under the surface, there was a lot of unhealed resentment that I was carrying around. I was just kind of bubbling there at the surface waiting. Mm -hmm. So first question for you is since you didn't know how to feel your feelings, what has been something that has helped you feel your feelings now that you could recommend? Oh yeah. So there's, I would recommend a few things for sure. Meditation practice. So I think meditation for a lot of people sounds like, it's like, what, what do I do? What, where, when, how I have to like, I don't have time for that. That's uncomfortable. I can't do that. That's for people who are like, whatever. (laughs) Um, and it, it can be very simple. Meditation can be super simple. It can be just like sitting for 10 minutes, five minutes, even two minutes, just breathing in, breathe into the count of four, hold for the count of four, breathe out for the count of four, hold out for the count of four. And you can just do that. And your thoughts will come and you might be sitting there just like rapidly thinking the whole time and stuff's coming up and you're feeling all this like ah, emotion and that's okay. You just let it, you just do it anyway. Knowing that it's like making its way out of your system. It's processing, right? It's going through you. It's, it's, it's doing what it needs to do. This is you feeling, right? Um, so a meditation practice for sure. There's tons of guided meditations out there, free on YouTube, um, tons of ways that you can start to develop a meditation practice. It's also like just being a bit more present, right? Like, so you can stop and like, if you're having tea or if you're like having a smoothie or if you're out in nature with your friends, just being a little more present, like a little less on the phone, a little more like really looking and using your senses. Our senses are what connects us to the present moment. Okay. So really feeling things, really tasting things, really listening, all of those things can be like a meditation practice. The next thing I would recommend would be journaling. I started journaling I started journaling during that period where I was in therapy as a teenager. Um, And then I wasn't really consistent with it through college. But then as I kind of got more into my meditation practice, I got very consistent with it. I'm super consistent with my journaling. And it's huge for me to help. I like to say like out of your head onto the paper. (laughs) And a lot of times, like you get, you write down things that are like fears or frustrations. And then once you get it out of your head where it's like, stirring and it's like in your gut feeling like sick and gross once you get it out it's like oh okay this actually like I can handle this it's just words on paper you know you're like oh that's not even this isn't even a real thing like this is totally fine or if there is something that is heavy right it helps us to also get that out um I would suggest those I would suggest talking to someone like finding a counselor finding a therapist um, finding like a safe friend, you can ask, 
can you hold space for me? And then try to be like unbiased and authentic. And, and if you're angry, that's totally cool too. Like punch some pillows. That's, that's fine. Um, and then like, yeah, like this kind of segues into the last thing I would recommend is I think we, we have this like negative connotation with feeling, right? So if we are crying, if we are angry, if we are, you know, grieving, we try to swallow it. We try to hold it inside. I remember I used to like not let myself cry, not let myself be upset to the point where it would explode in like a panic attack of like, like I couldn't breathe. And I was just like shaking. I was crying so much. But when I started to let myself, you know, step by step by step, let the emotions out, process the emotions. And now we can also channel emotions, right? You don't have to just like, you can cry, you can be angry, but you can also use it as fuel. Your pain can be fuel for your purpose, right? So you can take that sadness, you can take the mourning, the anger, whatever it is and say, how can I use this for something good in my life or in the lives of others? And that's going to be the same thing. What's good for you is going to be good for other people too. And, and maybe, maybe not everyone will see it, but like, you, you have to be honest with yourself about what you feel is good, what your idea of good is. Um, so yeah, that's what I would suggest. Such great suggestions, such wonderful suggestions. Yes, I mean, I have the same. When I was a teenager, I would bury and bury and bury it down and then it would explode, explode. And it would explode on my parents or it would explode on my sister. Normally it would stay within the house. I wouldn't do so much exploding on friends or boyfriends at the time, but it was because I just didn't know how to process. I didn't know what I was feeling. I didn't know anything. And journaling has been you know, so huge for me. I have found some of my journals that I was keeping during high school. And at that time, I didn't have a consistent practice. It was more of like when I was really angry or really yeah. sad that that's when I would journal. <laughs> so I went back and like read some of them. And you know, I have so much compassion for like myself during that time, because I can see like how much hurt was there. And just I didn't even know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, so if anyone that again is listening to this if you are moving through these heavy feelings like do journal get it out on paper get it out there and then you can either for me like when I was really angry like journaling actually sometimes made me more angry because it didn't make me feel and I was kind of scared to fully feel those feelings because uh, I had a father that was you know pretty pretty tough father I would say <laughs> and very like emotionally controlling and a little bit manipulative here and you know there was those kinds of things that were going on in the household yeah. but I want to also yeah. yeah that really masculine energy but I also want to remind people like at that time in my life I thought I was doing everything wrong and like I just wanted to people please so much so I wanted my dad to be happy with me no matter what so I was really always trying to get on his good side even though I like was trying if even if I like hated him in the moment for what he had just did to me or what he had just said but now I'm really learning that whatever people do or say to you has so much more to do with them than it has to do with you and now as I'm older and I've gotten to have a different relationship with my dad and he has opened up more about his childhood I'm like wow like you didn't have a father around you had no idea how to even be a father now I can have so much compassion for you because you were just you know you were truly like trying to do your best with what you had and what you knew my teenage self though would have said fuck that like you should be better you should know better <laughs> um, but it 
it's really, it didn't have to do with me. It, I didn't need to take it so personally. He was just trying to look out for me and he was showing love and what he thought was love. So reverse, if you're a teenager and you're really having and moving through anger, journaling it out. And if it makes you more angry, get out of your house, go for a walk, do something mm -hmm. just to like, get out of that space or do like an intense, like, I don't know, jump up and down for like, 10 minutes whatever yeah. it may be like just like, really then, like, get it out of your body too because like if more anger comes one let it you don't have to be scared of it because if you recognize that pattern in someone else and it scares you does not mean it's going to happen to you and then get it out of your body like really like yeah move so that you can then enter and like talk to somebody in a more calm voice because what happened happened and you have the choice of whether to carry on with it or to let it linger below that surface so you said like you had this a lot of anger too that you found bubbling at the surface when you were able to kind of dive into that would, did you have talks with those that had hurt you or did you kind of do more of um forgiveness practices or what was your way of moving through that anger yeah with my parents we definitely had some deep moments of like but they they've also done a lot of apologizing right so I'm very I feel very lucky that they've they've healed so much, both of my parents. And I truly feel completely comfortable talking with them about things. I have a good, a really good relationship with both of them now. I lived with my dad for a whole year while I was making a career transition and he was having some health issues and that was incredibly healing for our relationship. I, I wouldn't change that for the world. You know what I mean? Like looking back, I know that's going to be like you know, just, I'm just so thankful for it. Right. And, um, the same with my mom. Um, so we definitely had to have, you know, we would have some arguments, right. And I, I'll give, I'll give an example. Okay. So my mom, for instance, because she, she, I have these memories of her being, drunk right and being like not really being able to take care of herself and me feeling as a young you know as a child and a young teenager like I needed to like fix her I needed to help her so I realized a couple years ago anytime that she would kind of vent to me or express something to me that was troubling her I would immediately turn on my fixing hat and be like I like, this is not a problem, mom. Here's what you need to do. Let's fix it right now. And instead she just wanted space help. Okay. So we had to have, I had to realize that first I was like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm still trying to like protect her. Like the little girl in me is, and I would get mad. Right. Because I was like, no, do these things, fix this problem now. And like, you can't be upset. You can't be upset. You know? So I realized that I wasn't allowing her to have her process and I was taking it on myself to fix, right? So we had to have this clearing conversation where we came to a better, a better arrangement of how she can express, you know, if she needs space held and how I can hold that space without needing to fix the problem. So I'm sure there will be other things that come up, you know, throughout time, possibly. I still get totally triggered by my parents here and there, you know, not like I, I used to be like all the time. It was like one big trigger, <laughs> you know, I'm just like always triggered, but it was a lot 
a lot of forgiveness, a lot of compassion. Just seeing, learning to see your parents as like human beings. And this goes for anyone too. Like you can do this with anyone. As just, they're human. They make mistakes. They've had their own experiences, their own pain. They're trying their best. And their best isn't always that great, right? But neither are we. We, we screw it all up too. So as much compassion, as much forgiveness, as much love as we can infuse into, into how we view people, the better off we'll be. And we can then start to let some of the stuff go, right? Because it's not like they did this to me. It's like, ah, oh, they were doing it to themselves too. And then also starting to see the painful experiences that you've had can be some of your most powerful transformational experiences. If you look at some of the people that you are most inspired by, a lot of times they will talk about their painful experiences because it made them into who they are. If you're willing to grow through something and you're willing to use a painful experience or a painful relationship as a way to open up more instead of shut down, right? A way to open up and say, oh, I'm ready for a next great relationship, right? Or I'm ready to like heal this with my family or I'm ready to find a family that maybe isn't, aren't my relatives, but people who I can trust like family or I'm ready to let go of this. I'm ready to like be this person who I truly feel like I should be. Again, our pain can be full for that. Oh, absolutely. It definitely can be. And it's amazing that you have that relationship now with your parents where you guys can have such deep discussions. And I will say that isn't always the case for me. That's not the case. And I'm still, you know, tested by those triggers. And like, even hearing you say that, I'm like, damn, I'm jealous, you know, but that's going to be something that always comes up. And for me, the biggest work is seeing my parents as humans and accepting trying to accept them for exactly where they are now. So when I try and have some of those deep discussions, I get upset when my parents kind of shut it down because for me, it's like, oh, they don't even want to look at it. Like they can't even, you know, see my pain, but that's me looking at it from my perspective. So I have to come in with that compassion and say, no, my parents can't look at it because it is too painful for them to go back to because that door can open another door and it can open another door and they can't do it. So for me, I have to really just like, figure out what kind of relationship I want with my parents and who I want this relationship this again can be with anybody what type of relationship do I want with them and then can I accept them for who they are I don't need to change them I don't need to fix anything that's not my job and it's like coming back to this again and again and again and (laughs) when I was a teenager you know if I had heard all of this like I, one, probably would have been like, well, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to get out of this house. I'm going to move far away, and I'm never going to have to deal with this stuff again. But I will say, it comes back no matter what. This is always something that can be healed. So if you can heal it now and start introducing those practices of journaling, of meditating, the more the better. Because it's going to happen in your 20s. It's going to happen in your 30s. This pain is meant for us it's meant for us to move through it's meant for us to learn from and exactly like what you're saying this pain yes it is horrible sometimes but or it is horrible while you're going through not sometimes it's horrible (laughs) but then there is that other side to it where you have so much strength and growth from there are people who love you there are people who support you and you get to love yourself too like you get to love yourself 
truly who you are, physically, emotionally, mentally, in all ways. You're enough. You are so loved. So loved. You truly are. And if you don't believe it, just think about it, close your eyes for a second, and try and feel that, because mm -hmm. you are all so loved. I love you, Melissa. Thank you so much for doing this. We I love you also, Melissa. I know it's funny, the two Melissa's. But we got to cover such great topics. We got to talk a little bit about depression, about therapy, relationships with our parents. Um, I think some of, what would you name as maybe the three biggest takeaways for anyone that had listened to this podcast? And maybe it's something that they can um, actually implement in their lives now too. Yeah, start a meditation practice. Know that it's okay to go through difficult things. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel angry. And be kind to yourself, you know, slowly but surely every day, fake it till you make it, tell yourself you love yourself. Find little things, find little things to be grateful for. Yes, such perfect takeaways. Oh, well, thank you all for listening to this episode and I hope it finds you well and I hope it gives you some healing. And I really, my intention for this is just that for somebody to benefit from the experiences that we've gone through. So much love to you all and thank you again, Melissa. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. I am so happy and grateful that Melissa was able to join for this podcast. I hope you guys are able to enjoy it as well. If you're wishing to connect with her outside of this, she can be found on Instagram at Melissa Moffitt or her website at MelissaMoffitt.com. I'll put both of them in the show notes for you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and to this podcast. It absolutely means the world to me. I would love to hear from you, so please rate and review this podcast. Let me know what you think, and until next time, thank you, and have a beautiful day.